0: Let's go to the word of the Lord. Ephesians 2.10 tells us we are the workmanship of God. So he says, for we are his masterpiece in one translation. And created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so we know that in Romans, it tells us that we need faith to please God, but there's another scripture that I want to just share with you. It's a kind of a story, and it's in Luke chapter four. It's where Jesus has come out of the wilderness. He's been tempted three different times. He's been tempted of the things that are the root cause of every sin. Jesus could not be tempted by everything that we are tempted by because he was not married, Amen. So he could not be tempted to commit adultery but he could be tempted with the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. He was tempted by the root things that are the root things of all the things we are tempted by. So even though he, as a man on the earth, may not have had every situation that we have to say, okay, he was te- Jesus was tempted by adultery but didn't sin. No, he was not married to where he could step out on his marriage. But that's just one example. There are several other examples where Jesus could not do the exact sin, or we could point exactly at it, but he did conquer the root of those sins, amen? So that's why we have to understand that when Jesus walks out of the wilderness in Luke 4, as I'm about to read to you, he he comes out, the Bible says, in power of the Holy Ghost. He's been fasting and praying for 40 days and tempted of the enemy, and he has conquered the things that we could not conquer in the garden. Amen. So now he is the one worthy of preaching the gospel. And He opens the book or the scrolls in Luke 4, verse 20. He goes into the synagogues and he, the Bible says, and he closed the book. So he reads this passage of scripture. And in the scripture, it just says that today, you know, in thy sight, the Lord has fulfilled the gospel. And so he finishes his reading in in the book of Isaiah and he closes the book and he sits down. And when he sits down, he gave the book back to the minister and he sat down and the eyes of all of them in the synagogue were fastened on him. Jesus reads a passage of scripture that they would have thought would have been speaking of the past or the future but when he says it he says the spirit of the lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach to the poor the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the lord And when he closed the book and sat down, he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. This day, I am the one that's come to do all of these things, to heal the brokenhearted and to bring deliverance to captives and all of those things and recovering of sight to those that cannot see and bring liberty to those that are bruised. Amen. Have you ever been bruised by something and you couldn't get free of it? That's what Jesus does. And he said, and I'm preaching the year of the Lord, and this will be fulfilled in your ears today. He said, I'm doing this today. They were okay with a historical Jesus. And many people are okay with an apocalypse Jesus, the Jesus that's coming. But not too many people want Jesus to, sh- to show up in their day and change them right now. And tomorrow is never going to come, so I'm preaching to you about today. Today, he's making a difference. Today, there is a miracle framework in this room, and we can be a masterpiece in God's hands if we let him touch us. And so, as I finish reading here, verse 22, it said, And all bear him witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Is it? He's in Nazareth where he grew up. And they're like, we know this boy. This is not one sent to preach to the brokenhearted and set captive. This is Joseph's boy. And so they framed him in, in their minds, and did not let him work miracles in Nazareth like in Capernaum because of their framework. And I want to talk to you for a little while about a miracle framework. Amen. As we finish up this series on missing masterpieces, I pray today that God helps us to open our heart and minds to something bigger. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We're asking you to touch us to understand how you move in our midst in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. We are the masterpieces of God and I want you to understand that we get our worth from him. That's what this whole series was about. And the value and the beauty of miracles around us is often unseen. Even when we know that God is working, we seem to not focus on the fact that it's the big picture that matters. It's not just the individual moments. In fact, your, your circumstances can change the outcome of your situation if you just would make that a place of prayer and praise. So every situation you get into, no matter how hard that situation is, you need to kind of do like Joshua where he met the angel of the Lord and he said, are you on my side? He draws his sword and he said, are you on my side? Are you for me or are you against me? And that's that seems to be the same thing we do sometimes in our life. is We're looking at everything like, are you on my side or are you against me? And the angel of the Lord said, I'm neither for you nor against you. I'm for God. And so we have to understand that when we start talking about a framework of miracles and victory in Jesus Christ, we have to understand that we're not asking God to join our program. We're asking and submitting ourselves to join God's program, amen? Whatever God is doing in the earth, whatever victory he's bringing, I want to get out into the middle of that, amen? So when we're talking about the victories of God online, if you're you're talking about how God is awesome and God can do great things, well, what is God doing in this earth right now? Get involved with what God's doing, and when you do that, when you engage in what God is doing, That is where victory comes from. That is where the power of God is unleashed. He's doing a work in this earth. He's doing a work in your life. But what work does he want to do? Is it your plan sprinkled with Jesus or is it all of Jesus in your life and he has the plan for you? I promise you his intentions and his plan for you is better than yours could ever be. I promise you that. And so we know that when we're looking at God's work, we sometimes miss the moment of masterpiece or miracle because we're not framing it correctly. Thinking facilitates miracles. Faith is the operation, the thing that we invest in the kingdom of God. And faith is what God responds to. But you'll never believe God for something if you don't think he can do it. If you don't have the thought that God is able to do this. And when Joshua met that angel and he said, are you for me or against me? And he said, no, I'm for God. Would you like to be on God's side? (laughs) I want to be on God's side, amen? Not on my side but God interspersed, but I want to be on God's side. And Joshua fell on his face and he made his situation a sanctuary. And that is a key. We're living in the year of revelation That is our theme this year. Make every situation you're in a place where you take off your shoes and you fall on your face before God. Because when it's a bad situation, you can still make it a sanctuary. Amen. John the Revelator was in prison on Patmos and he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. How can you be in a moldy, rat-infested island prison with hardened criminals, and you did nothing but serve the Lord with gladness? You did nothing but preach the gospel. You're in prison innocently, other than the fact that you preach the truth. And so he's exiled on Patmos for truth, and he said, even this place can't keep me from a sanctuary with God. Even this situation cannot stop me from being in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I don't know if you like a day of prayer where we don't have music or not, but I tell you what, your situation needs a sanctuary, your circumstance needs a Christ moment, your place where you're at right now needs the ability for you to understand that this, no matter how bad it is, this can be a place where God works. Amen, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so thankful that I have that understanding that I don't look past it as just an average, everyday miracle, but that I understand that everyone hearing my voice right now is a miracle. You are a miracle. God's working in your life. God's doing it and you may not see the full picture yet, but when you're done the brush strokes that you don't like, the colors that are unpleasant will blend with the beautiful colors that God is working out on your canvas of life and sooner or later you will step back and you will say, "Wow, what did God do? God prepared me before I even stepped into it. God helped me to be strong enough so I could go through it. And God took me to the mountaintop to change my vision." and my thinking so I could get through the valley that I had to go through next. He was with me in the valley of the shadow of death. I can see on the canvas of your life. There may be unpleasant moments, but let God continue to work. He's not done yet, amen. Turn to somebody and tell him oh, God's not done with me yet. Tell him that God's not done with me yet. Amen, amen. And so let's not miss the amazing miracles that are right in front of us. One night, a, a wife found her husband standing over their infant's crib, and she watched him <laughs> looking on, Had had a little fly-on-the-wall moment, looking down at their first child. She saw his face with amazement, skepticism, all these different emotions, enchantment as, she, as he's looking at his, at his first child, Touched by the moment of display and emotion on his face, she snuck up and put her arm around, slipped her arm around her husband and said, Penny for your thoughts? And in amazement, he replied, It's just amazing. It's just amazing. I don't know how anybody could make a crib like that for $66.95. And in that moment, she's like, how did you miss the miracle laying in the crib? Well, she was thinking about the beauty of a miraculous birth and all of the things that happened in that moment. Here lay one of the greatest miracles of God before him. And he's thinking, how in the world can they construct something for only $66? Sometimes we can have the same thing happen to us where we're looking at a miracle and we're seeing only the framework that's around the miracle. We're seeing only the things that are maybe even unpleasant to us and we're not looking at the masterpiece in the middle. And maybe your framework's not big enough. Maybe your faith is too small, so God has to enlarge your faith framework in order for the masterpiece of your life to fit into it. So maybe you're not seeing much right now whether it is the miracle of a baby's birth in this story situation, or maybe the miracle of being a new Christian or the miracle of having the Lord step in, but I want you to know that God wants you to be a showpiece for him, for his glory alone. He wants you to be a success and a gem in his kingdom. And in showing all of that, that you are a treasure and you are a prize to him, and that you are a masterpiece work, he wants you to know that It takes a masterful workman to make a masterpiece, and that's why we must surrender ourselves to the Lord. I told you in this series that there's nothing, no place worth giving the pieces of your life to other than the God who can make a masterpiece out of it, and you remember that because some of you are shaking your heads, but... I want you to know that whenever I look at my life and how God has pieced me and brought me together and healed me in places I didn't even know were broken, I have to look back and say, he's done a masterful work. He's done a masterful work for you. He's going to do a masterful work in your life. No matter what comes and goes, my brothers and sisters, when it's all said and done, you will look back and you will say, what a masterpiece he's made out of me. All the times I surrendered I knew that his hands were skillful and able to make good out of what I see as bad. Amen? And so you can look at that and you can say, "Hmm, I don't know, I have nothing to offer. You weren't supposed to offer anything. You were supposed to come and bring yourself. And we talked about presenting ourselves to the Lord. You have to understand that you are hashtag uncommon. Do you know that? I worked in technology for a while, and you scan your eyes to get into certain portals or places or safes, and I, we dealt with fingerprint analysis. Do you have your phone, and have you ever used your phone and your fingerprint, like, works half the time, and it's super frustrating if you've set that up on your phone? The truth of the matter is they started printing out the face, looking at the face, because your features on your face are so unique. But even your voice print is unique. You're uncommon in every way. God doesn't want two of you. You should do you the best because God made you to be you. Don't I'm not using that as the, hey, do you, do whatever you want, be independent. I'm not saying that. I'm saying God has a plan for your life, but he has a specific plan for you that only you can do. He has the best plan for you individually, and he doesn't want anybody else doing that plan. He's made your fingerprints unlike anyone else's. He's made your voice print unlike anyone else's. He's made your retina unlike anyone else's. If he wants to go through that much work to make your physical body an individual work of art, how much more would he do for your spiritual life? How much more does God want to make bigger things in you, in your life, in your faith, in your thinking, in the places of your surrender, in the places of comfort in him? The truth of the matter is that's four major frameworks that I want to talk about today, and I'll finish with that. Because we talked about believing. that Every masterpiece has a frame that protects it. And whenever they steal masterpieces, a lot of times they cut them out of the frames. And I talked to you about the major art theft that hasn't been solved yet. And that I'm curious, are we okay with missing masterpieces in the halls of heaven? Are you okay with knowing that your neighbor could have come to the Lord or knowing that some friend or family member was truly a work of art and they never were told that? And they're missing in the halls of heaven. Does that not grip your heart? I want everyone in here to hear me. You belong in a place called heaven. You are not meant to go anywhere else than a home in heaven. Amen. You were designed to live forever with the Lord. And so we talked about the framework, believe, repent, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. The four pillars or, or the four sides of a framework that allow us to become a masterpiece for the Lord. But then today I want to talk to you about the four things that we can do to be miracles in God's hands, and that is faith, thinking, surrender, and comfort. These are the things that we have to work on. And so when I'm talking about faith, I'm talking about the original original part of the framework that deals with Hebrews 11 and 6 where it talks about without faith it is impossible to please God. And then Romans 10 and 17 says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This is, th- faith is what everything hangs on. You have to understand that it starts with faith. If you don't believe God can, you will not have a framework for a miracle. If you don't believe that he's able, I believe that he's able. In fact, Scripture says in Ephesians 2 and 8 that we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God. So if, if grace is what brought us to the operation of, of believing that God can heal and God can deliver and God can save, then we have to also understand that faith is what everything hangs on. And so James 2, 14 through 26 says, um, faith without works is dead. So I can't just hang everything on faith, I need to also examine my thinking, examine how I'm thinking, because thinking is what gives us the ability to release to God the beautiful things that he wants to do. If we go to Ephesians 3, verse 20, it says that God is able to do exceeding abundant above all we ask or even think. Now unto him, this is actually the word of God in King James Version, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Talking about the Holy Ghost working in us as well. But it's saying that we have the right to ask for something, but you'll never ask for it if you don't think that he can do it. It starts with thinking, and that's why some people need a checkup from the neck up. Amen? (laughs) Some people need some stinking thinking to be dealt with, and I get the undesirable job of of telling people sometimes that's poor thinking, that's bad thinking, that's unfaithful and unfaith driven thinking, that's fear thinking, not faith thinking. You're responding to things in life, not really responding, but more more appropriately, you're reacting to things in life based on fear instead of having a thinking process that says, God can handle this even when it looks bad, even when it hurts, he's still able to handle this. And so he's able to do exceeding abundant above all we can ask or even think. But if you don't think he can, you never will. In fact, your thinking not only is a framework for the miracles that God wants to do in your life, your thinking is also a limiter to God. Because he can do greater things than we could ever ask or think. But if you choose to say, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not the man that we watch grow up? What they were really saying was, Jesus, stick to the carpentry. They framed him in with, you're a carpenter's son. What you can do and the miracles that you can perform in Nazareth are based upon the framework that they gave him. When they got to Capernaum, the Bible says they received him with gladness. They received, they were like, that is, have you ever heard a word like this? The scripture says. They were so receiving, their frame was bigger than this frame. They were able to have faith for God so big that he did great miracles in Capernaum. But in Nazareth, he said, a prophet is without honor in his own country. And that made them so angry. And he gave two, he said, excuse me, Judge, but I'd like to give two examples. Why in the days of Isaiah was there only one widow that he was sent to? Why is there only this miracle or that miracle? There were many lepers in the day of Jesus, but why was Lazarus the only one healed? You know, or brought back. So he, deal, he deals with this in the, in the rest of that chapter, but what I'm focusing on is he's trying to question their thinking. He's saying, Your thinking says I'm just a boy from Nazareth that should be running some nails into some wood and building cabinetry. I should be a carpenter's son. But you don't know my dad is not a carpenter, my father is in me, <laughs> and I am in him. And when you touch the identity of God, virtue flows. Mm. See, there's this little woman with a virtue. She had an issue of blood, and she was sick for 12 years, and she spent all her money on doctors. And she said, if I could just get to the hymn of Jesus. She was desperate. She didn't care how she got to him. The crowd was pressing that day, and people were rubbing against Jesus. And then Jesus stopped and said, someone has touched me. Why? Because they weren't just rubbing up against Jesus. She crawled through the crowd and she touched the hem of his Jewish garment, which was his identity. When you touch the, oh my goodness, I want to preach today. When you touch the identity of God, when you began to preach about hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and there is one faith and one baptism and one Lord and one God above all. And there is no God beside me. If you look to the left, to the right, you will not find another God. There is only Jesus, and his name is lifted up, and he is the revealed Son of God. He is the flesh of Almighty God. When God needed a body to sacrifice on a cross, he said, I'll create one for myself through the womb of a woman. I'll bring forth a son through a virgin, and that body shall have not the sin lineage of man, but he shall have the divinity lineage of God Almighty and I'll put him on a cross, and he died for you so that your thinking could be expanded if he'll go to a cross for me, if he'll do all of that, if God will birth a son without a man on the earth so that that body can be perfect sacrifice. How much more will he do if I bring him my physical need? How much more will he do if I bring him my family needs? Expanding the cross expands your thinking. Identity, knowledge expands your thinking and she she said if i could only get to if i could only but touch the hem of his garment the hem of his garment represented his identity and so whenever you start thinking about the miracles that god wants to do in your life start thinking of how vast our god is how big he is how powerful he is how aus- auspicious he is amen make sure that your faith is working but make sure that your thinking is not limiting. And then we also have be baptized in Jesus' name where we surrender our past. We surrender what we cannot change. We lay down what we cannot affect. We lay it down. We say, Lord, I cannot change this, but I surrender it to you. Amen? And so surrender is the next part of the framework of a miracle. And surrender tells us that if we find our lives, we will lose it. But if we lose our lives for his sake, Matthew 10, that we will truly find it. So the miracle that we're looking for has faith, excuse me, it has faith, it has thinking, and then we get to surrender in Matthew 10 and 39. And we're like, Lord, There are some things that are really hard for me to lay down. Anybody been there? It's just so hard. I, I think I can fix it. I think I can take care of it. I'm good. Lord, I got this. I just, you know, need to work a little harder, put in a little extra time, talk to that person, have that relationship repair, let's go get a coffee, something. I can fix this. And God said, no, whosoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever If I could just work a few more hours, if I could get just a little bit bigger paycheck, if I could, all of those things are good to go after, but not if they stand in the way of the miracle that God wants to do in your life. So we have to surrender everything. We don't just get to surrender the stuff that we're not good at. I'm horrible at relationships, so Jesus, I give you all my relationships. Or I'm just not good at this or not good at that, so that I give to Jesus. The rest, I got it. He doesn't want that. The framework that brings the miraculous to your life is a complete surrender to the Lord in every area. Amen. And yes, it's against our nature. It is against our natural. I can take care of it. I'm creative. I'm made in God's image. I can figure this out. Anybody been there? It's a little bit against us, but when we surrender to him, he actually takes those natural tendencies and those natural creativities and he directs them. He, he directs them toward the, the path that he wants us to be on. The Bible says, Who, whosoever finds his life will lose it, and whosoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Another translation says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for me, you will find it. So the, the, the picture is, Don't grip this life with every ounce of strength you have. Don't white-knuckle life. Leave your hand available to open and close to the blessings of God. Because if you live with both fists closed, hanging on to something, you have no availability to receive something else from God. So the reception of the miracle happens whenever you surrender and open your hands. In fact, the position that is best received is this one hands open, not hands closed. Have you ever seen someone come to the Lord in their first approach to God? is, kind of It's kind of a desperation moment. But if you ever see someone, if you walk someone through miracle moments in their life, there's a point where you see them just, they open their hands to God. No matter what blessings are in their life, they may come, they may go, good and bad moments. Whatever the Lord takes and whatever the Lord takes away, whatever the Lord gives and takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm a receiver of God. Amen. I'm receptive to what God wants to do, the miracle works that he wants to do. My framework says I'm open to miracles, Lord. I'm open to what you want to do. And I'm trying to wrap this down in the last one. The last one is comfort. If your framework if your framework doesn't remove comfort from your life you will not see the miracles. There are moments of discomfort that God will walk you into. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. We all know this. We have all read it. But that wasn't the enemy that led him into the wilderness. That was God's spirit that walked him into that valley that moment of trial, and took his comfort away so that his comfort could be God's Spirit. The Holy Ghost is a comforter. It's a helper. And Scripture even says that. I'll give it to you so that you don't think I'm just talking, but it says in the, ch- the chapter that I gave to you guys is John 14, verse 26. If you want to write this down, you can. But in John 14, verse 26, it says, but the comforter, there's the word, we replace our comfort." For the Holy Spirit, which is the comforter in moments that he leads us through difficult moments or trials, which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. Who's doing the teaching? The Holy Spirit's doing the teaching. In other words, you will be taught what God wants to do by the Holy Spirit and comforted, teach and comforted by, and bring all things to your remembrance. It also reminds you. When you forget that God is good, when you you forget that you're supposed to be surrendered, when you forget that your thinking has to be bigger because God is able, and when you forget that your faith is supposed to conquer your fear, that... That framework protects you, brothers and sisters. It protects the masterpiece of your life that you say, God is my comfort and he will teach me in these moments when nothing is possible for you to be taught by, when you think there's no way I can learn anything from this situation, when you surrender it, when you remove your need for comfort, when you put your thinking on what God can do in this situation, when you explode your faith and say, I don't know how, but God, but God can do something. Here. That is when you find out that God will remind you that He's able. He'll remind you of the moments and miracles that have already come behind you that you have seen. And you'll go, if He can do it there, He can do it here. If He did it yesterday, He can do it today. I want a God who can step into my moment. I don't need a God that can just step into my past. Thank God his blood can. I don't need a God that can just rearrange my future. Thank God his plan for me can. But I need a God that can step in right now. Whosoever whosoever I have said unto you. So it brings all things to remembrance what God has said unto you. Have you ever had a moment? And I'm finishing. Have you ever had a moment? where you thought maybe this would not work out and God reminded you of a word from the Lord in the scriptures and you said, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us, it begins to work in us to remind us that God's bigger than our framework, amen? But your framework can limit him. I don't wanna be a Nazareth. I don't wanna be someone who hears the word of the Lord and goes, Man, what power. Jesus shut it down, amen. Jesus had class in session and then closed the book and handed it back, which tells me that Jesus will put you into class without you being, even knowing that you're being instructed. Jesus will put you in places of training without you even knowing you're being trained because he said, it's done. He sat down and he said, today has been fulfilled in your eyes. And they said, no, no, we can't receive that. Our framework says you're just a boy of a carpenter's son. And my framework said he is God almighty. That's what I pray you leave with. Understanding that God can fill. God can put you as a masterpiece. It doesn't matter. Even if your framework is small, God can challenge it. And he can make your framework bigger. He can bring into place beautiful masterpieces in places where it's empty right now. God can do great works if you change your framework. And your faith can do that for you. I pray that today you're able to have your faith grow. Have your thinking say, God's able to do this. Have a moment of surrender and have a moment where you say, If my comfort has to leave to get it done, I'm willing to let you be my comforter. Lord, would you stand with me today? He's our comforter, He's our Holy Spirit. He's our Father, He's our sacrifice. He's our moment of remembrance. He's the life we find when we let go of ours. He's the reception. He's the thing that we give ourselves to. When we open our hands, he is our God. Jesus can fill us with his spirit and create a greater framework. Maybe you feel limited in the environments that you're in, maybe the job, maybe the faith, maybe the family. I want you to just know that today it's either thinking, it's either your surrender, It's either the fact that you're staying in a place of comfort and not let the Holy Ghost comfort you or maybe it's even your faith that needs to grow today. Let me pray over you today. Lord, expand someone's framework so that miracles can happen. Let us not be limited to what we see or hear or feel. Let us not be limited by our own senses, which the Bible calls sensual, to have our senses be what guide us but let the framework of your miraculous works be in us. Let us walk the halls of the museums of the miraculous, the things you've done in our life, the things we've already seen you do, the things that we would have never gotten out of had your touch not been on our life the miracles of financial support, the miracles of of a sound mind in this place, the miracles of letting go of things we should have held on to because we are naturally a person that clings to things, but we were able through the power of the Holy Ghost to forgive them. And if there is a need of forgiveness in this place, I pray you give someone strength to expand their framework and forgive and change their thinking that you are the God of justice and you will have justice done. You will serve justice, even if it feels like there is something taking place in their life that they cannot rectify or they cannot fix. Let them forgive, Lord God, even as you forgave on the cross, that you said, Lord Jesus, as you were praying, you know, suffer this not to their charge, Lord Jesus. As you were praying on the cross, even dying, you said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Maybe someone in here can have enough faith to say, forgive somebody for they don't know what they're doing. And we could expand our miracle framework in this place today. I'm praying for it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. Because I cannot do that on my own. I have to have greater thinking Help me to think more like Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ. I pray that over these people today. And I pray that you give them a greater understanding of how powerful their faith is, how powerful their thinking is, how powerful their surrender to you is, and how powerful you are to comfort us in the places of struggle. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord for a minute and just love the Lord. As we sign off, God bless you online, we're signing off and we'll see you next week for our worship service. But today, find a place of praise and worship and expand your framework of the miraculous. Amen.